Good morning, LBC Radio. My name is Corey Rosen, and you're listening to The Story Podcast. Today, I have on a super awesome guest, but before we get into that, if you'd really like to support what I do, please check out our shop at facebook.com forward slash the story Corey Rosen. There, you can check out our merchandise. We have stickers, and we have shirts and hoodies with the logo on the front and the first 50 guests on the back. Please be sure to pre-order them before September, or else you might not get one. But today, I have on a super awesome guest, Kristen Brewer. Kristen lives in Lancaster, PA with her husband, kiddos, and their dog. She works as a writer and director for Sight and Sound Theaters, as well as an occasional adjunct professor in the musical theater department at Lancaster Bible College. She also created a musical project called Scene about the women of the Bible. Kristen attended Belmont University as a vocal major, and she went on from there as a musical theater performer on many stages around the country. She's thankful for the variety of rich experiences in her life and career. To God be the glory. You can find her work at, uh, from her scene collective or from Sight and Sound on Spotify in the links th- in the links below. Or you can check out the scene-collective.com mm-hmm. as well. With all that said, how are you doing today? I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm glad to be here. So what inspired you? Uh, was, it, was it as a child that got you into uh, writing music or... Yeah, good question. I mean, I I didn't really consider writing music um, until I was probably in high school. Like, I think, you know, I always loved singing. Um, and I, yeah, but I, and I would kind of like, I took piano lessons when I was a kid and I would kind of sit at a keyboard and go, oh, like, I wish I could just do my own thing. Like, I remember like my fingers like itching for it, but like not having the confidence really um, mm-hmm. or the the ability um, to feel like I know enough about how to do this um, and put something together. But, you know, I'm saying that and I am remembering like vocally at least coming up with some different things, but never feeling like it was my thing. Mm. Um, So I kind of when I went to Belmont um, as a vocal major, uh, I had roommates that were composition majors and I was, you know, in music classes. and learning more about theory and, and everything. And so I would kind of like take those like tools, those fundamental foundational things, um, and privately like in a, in a practice room, you know, I was around tons of people who this is like all they did, what they did. So I was like, I would never consider myself. I still don't consider myself in their camp, which, you know, maybe the Lord's working on me about that. But, um, yeah, I would sit there very privately and like put things together and go, Oh, I like this and I like that. And so being a singer, being an actor, being a storyteller in that way, I, I really felt like a baby being a storyteller in the way of like crafting music. Um, and I still kind of do honestly, but I've definitely grown and I'm thankful. So at what point did you start feeling comfortable in yourself and, uh, releasing your music to other other people's ears yeah um so actually pretty pretty late so I used to work with um a pretty heavily with a theater company in town and uh uh Prima Prima Theater Mm. and they did um uh Mitch Nugent who's a a good friend was like hey let's do um let's do an original Christmas show and I was like okay (laughs) (laughs) so he had a guy in town uh Ron Barnett um, who was going to compose it, but he was like, Hey, I'd, I'd love it if you like played with some lyrics and stuff. Cause I, w- I did do some writing, some scripting prior to this. And he was like, I think you could, you know, try to do some lyrics. And I was kind of like, okay, yeah, I think that'd be really fun. I have no idea what I'm doing. So I 
partnered up with Ron Barnett to write this original Christmas song cycle. And I found for myself that um, lyric and melody came pretty close together. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, oh, I have a hard time separating them um, for me. But like, you know, I, I did. Uh, he would have a melody and I would backfill it with lyric um, or I'd have a song idea and we'd sort of work together. But then the my quickest work, I guess, came when I had time to think about it and lyric and melodies were coming together. Mm. Um, so there were a couple of songs where m- my melody stuck and he sort of um, arranged and filled it in and then or he would have a melody that I would backfill with lyric. So there was, yeah, definitely a confidence that came from that. It was kind of crazy. It was like, hey, you you know, I'm not like really writing songs, showing them to people. It was like, hey, do you want to write a, a show? Right. <laughs> sure. Um, so I wrote that. And we did the a few performances of it. Um, I think it's made some reappearances over the years. Um, but uh, Dan Deal uh, came to see one of these shows, and he was like, "Wait, did you did you help write this?" And I was like, "Yeah, I did. It was fun." And he was like, "Well, we're working over. Um, we're working on Jonah right now at Sight and Sound, which I was a cast member there for a few years. I think at this time I was still a cast member. I was about to take a step away just to have my first son and like take a take a right. break. Um, but he invited me in on some of the lyric writing for that, which led to a little bit of melody here and there, very very minimal. But um, it was so cool to like be a part of that. So it was sort of one thing led to another." Um, I did take a break from Sight and Sound for a few years just to, um, yeah, have a different show schedule life. And I didn't mm-hmm. perform for a while, but I went over to American Music Theater and worked for Andrea McCormick for a while um, there as a cast member, which was so, so much fun. Like, who doesn't want to put on a gown and sing, you know, Evita? Right. I, I, I mean, I, <laughs> a lot of people listening probably like, not me, but I loved it. And maybe other musical theater rangers out there would love it. But um, it was such a fun time. But when I, I did eventually end up back at Sight and Sound, and um, yeah, and I got brought in to help write uh, The Jesus Show. Um, so that was very much, sorry, I think I'm, I'm no, no, not ahead. really giving you like a straight answer. I'm sorry. Like, and here's sort of a story. Um, but it is, it's like it's lots just, of little pieces. Well, that's why it's called the story. The story is called the story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'll just keep going with it then. Um, see, I'm on brand. I'm in theme. Um, so when I came back to Sight and Sound as a cast member, um, can't even remember the year, maybe 2015, maybe, um, they did, they were doing Joseph, which I'd done the show when they premiered it um, back in 2010. And so I was coming back into the cast um, and I was walking down the hallway where the, the at the time they were called the producing group. And I just uh, stopped in um, a friend of mine's office who worked in it. And I just said, hey, I had a really good time helping out a little bit with Jonah back in the day. If you guys need any help on whatever's coming up, let me know, no pressure. I just enjoyed it and would love to help. Mm-hmm. And he kind of looked at me like, interesting and I was like this this moment just changed and I'm not sure how but I ended up in an interview with with um, the guys over there and yeah and then they were you know awesome and excited and so I ended up co-writing the script for the Jesus show with Josh Shank over there who's he's just he's awesome um, and uh, yeah and then kind of the same thing he said hey would you mind writing lyrics for the songs and I just kind of told him I knew my process a little bit at this point and I said I I can write just write lyrics for the songs. That's fine. Or help guide them or, you know, throw ideas out. I said, but generally lyric and melody come pretty closely together. So I'm 
instead of just sending like a list of words, what I'll probably do is craft something around it and send it. And then you can like take it or leave it and borrow what you like out of it. So um, that's how it started. And, and there were some songs that did, you know, it was, this is a template, this is an idea, this is a concept. And, um, it was given to the actual composer who was hired. So Don Harper is his name. He's awesome. He's worked on several Disney projects and yeah, all kinds of films. Um, and yeah, but musicals, he, he's worked with sight and sound a few times before. So yeah, he was on for the Jesus show. Um, and so I would sort of send out these like little rink-a-dink demos, you know, but Josh, who was the producer, writer, director of, of the Jesus show, he, he was like, um, I actually like this version of it. And my mind was blown. I was like, what? And so he was like, let's use this one. Let's use this for this moment. Um, so yeah, I, that was really, so Carrying Christmas, which was the Christmas song cycle, that was the first time like theater, theater music had come out of me and had like people heard it. And it was sort of like, this isn't, this is my first time doing it and people heard it. So I think there was something like to ripping the bandaid off and just being okay with people listening and evaluating. And they, it all kind of went together at the same time for me writing and then showcasing it, um, quickly. So I, I got acclimated to that kind of nerves, pain, fear, (laughs) excitement, you know? Um, Yeah all like in the beginning and Jesus, the same thing like, Oh, okay. Well, this is, you know, the second thing I've done in this way, you know, musically, um, and to have those songs become part of the DNA of the show just meant the world. It was, it was surreal. It was surreal. Especially for such a big show like Jesus. I know. It, it was, was a lot it was, was a lot of pressure. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. This is the this is the penultimate character of, of the yeah, Bible, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it helps he doesn't sing in the show, which sort of helps like I don't know, not helps, I guess, but a little, a little less pressure. Less, yeah. But yeah, I got to um it was the if you've seen it or I have um, seen it. Oh, okay, yes. great. Yeah, the mom's um the mom I call it the mom song. That is sort of the pocket I've fallen in, I tend to write the mom songs <laughs> at Sight and Sound, which I love, but I love right. writing the mom songs. Um, but this was um, Mary at the Tomb and Mary at the Birth, and it's mm. a duet between young Mary and present Mary. Um, so that was that was one that was just such a gift, and that came so fast. It, I think I wrote that in like 30 minutes. Really? Uh, yeah, maybe 30, 30 minutes to an hour, like it it was just having such a full understanding of the scene knowing what Josh wanted for that moment and just sat down at a keyboard and it just it you know sometimes it happens like that yeah. and it just flowed out and i was like and there it is like that's that's <laughs> the moment like lord that's the moment um it was kind of a, it's a sweet memory honestly between like i feel like with the holy spirit mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a sweet memory with it um but yeah, I think in that show too, there's a uh, Dorian. He's the 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 um, demoniac, the guy who gets delivered from demons, and um, so he saved this one. And then Mary Magdalene has a song in a rain curtain, and mm-hmm. those are the ones. I think I think that's that's it. Yeah, those are the ones that stuck in their sort of original version, which was really special. That's awesome. Yeah. How how does that process then work for you? Mm-hmm. What what do you have to think about? Uh, character wise what do you have to think about biblically wise yeah. in order to faithfully adapt a story that is only words mm-hmm. right words of stuff 
a thousand, two thousand plus years ago. Right. How do you bring that into, first off, into the English language? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and and then furthermore into actions. Yeah. Um. So, I love. Um. I'm a big believer in context. Mm. Um. And I think that if you read a story at face value. Um, you'll still get, I mean, it's the, it's the word of God. It's living, it's breathing, it's active, like it's going to work. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't believe that you have to understand Hebrew or know everything about ancient history to appreciate it. Um, but I do think, you know, I think it's Tim, Tim Mackey Bible project. I think I might misquote it, but, um, sort of like the, Bi- the Bible is like music. Um, you know, if you just like to listen to music, then you can hear it and appreciate this is beautiful, this moves me, this this influences me, this, you know, so you can appreciate it on any level. But if you understand music, if you're a musician yourself, if you're an, an instrumentalist, if you're a vocalist and like you you can look and see, you, you're just going to appreciate different things about the symphony um, in different ways um, than you would if you were just sort of um, a, a consumer, you know, a consumer. So average goer. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like you can still appreciate and love it. But even even someone who's not a not a musician themselves, if you even have someone who's proficient at listening to music and appreciating and understanding, so yeah, we can all we can all ingest the Bible and and it will always work. It will always do something. But the more you understand about you know, the, the context of the world, um, things about the language, nuances of the language, um, callbacks, cross-references within the Bible itself. Like, why is this story in here? Well, it's actually alluding to this story, you know, several <laughs> scrolls ago that bring this one to life. So I think it's it, it can, I think what studying these shows can do, or at least what it does for me, um, is it sends me on kind of a treasure hunt. I feel like throughout the Bible. Um, so it, I always come out of a study process, especially with, you know, one of these like biblical characters. I feel like I always emerge just appreciating the Bible as a whole more. Have you um, ever seen the uh, the graphic of of how many of the cross references in the Bible? Uh, I don't know. No? Oh, my gosh. I have. That is that is something you should look look up. Yeah. It is this. So it, it's, you know, this giant book and it it points out. Uh, places along the the Bible, like it lays out all the books, and then it, all the lines you see are cross references. That's awesome. And there's like a million. Oh, yeah, it's, right. it's, it's uncountable. Yeah, it's 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 a. I mean, we know this, but it's a, it's a masterpiece. It, like, yeah, it, right. It it's, is a masterpiece, and it's like something. It's fun because if you're reading, and like if you see something that seems random or seems weird, like pay attention to that and go, like, even if it makes you uncomfortable, I don't know what to do with that. Go on a hunt, like ask, ask, search for it and part partner with the Lord about it. Like I've, I've started, it was interesting there. I mean, there were things biblically that I used to kind of like, I'm like, okay, I believe the Bible. I trust the Bible. I trust you. So I'm just going to just go with like, that's good. And there's an element of that. Absolutely. that That we have to do. Um, because most of the time those things like come in conflict with what we want. Right, of <laughs> what course. I think is right, course. you know. But um but I've I've learned I think to pay more attention and stop and park in those places and allow the wrestle to happen. Um partly because it's, you know, God 
is, you know, clear something's rubbing me the wrong way. And I'm like, how is this coming against like maybe my culture? How is this coming against my worldview? Am I trying to force the Bible to into my worldview or, or am I letting the Bible create my worldview? Mm. Like which one? And um, so I've just, yeah, learned to park in the weird stuff and go, but maybe I don't come out fully understanding it, but I can come out most of the time appreciating it and understanding because of cross references or because of this aspect of God's character, whatever it is. Um, so I'm answering your question again in long form, but I think, yeah, understanding like creating people, right. Taking them, whether it's sight and sound or scene, like taking them from being a, a name on a page to, a, to a person, um, right. who was like us, um, and you go, okay, well, I can't really, this is like where my acting nerd is going to kick in. Like, I can't understand the significance of their choices um, that they're making if I don't understand the context of their mm-hmm. world. So like, why does this choice matter? Um, why you, does Mar- Mary Magdalene telling the disciples right. that Jesus is alive matter? Exactly. Why is that a big deal? Why is that a big deal? Yeah. Why is that a big deal? Um, why is that significant enough to put in here? You know, right. and and like I could get on. Oh, I'm trying to think of like um, specific examples, but I think you know, go. Let's look at Esther. I guess, um, like one of the things is, you know, um, I'm trying to think, like don't go. Um, you can't go see the king, right? And if you go see the king, I mean, they spell it out. If you go see the king and summon like. You, you could die. You could die. And yeah. we read that and we go, I mean, that seems dramatic. <laughs> it seems weird. It seems like we don't get that. Right, of course. Um, but if you understand who Xerxes is mm-hmm. historically as a character and as a person, then you go, whoa, like this dude whipped, literally like whipped the sea when his ship sank in battle. Like quite literally whipped with a whip the sea. 100%. Like, yeah. yeah, executed all of his generals because they failed, and then he Didn't like he marched them into the sea, something like that. Yeah, I yeah. don't remember the specifics. He burned the city of Athens to the ground. Like this was a dude that was like not afraid to kill people. He was ruthless. Or he was ruthless, but he was also like sort of he he was high highs, low lows. Mm-hmm. Like he was um, because I think it's I think it's Athens when he burned Athens, which was like just the, the sh- you know the shining jewel of like the epicenter of learning and beauty and and incredible stuff he torches it because they stood against him but then he like weeps in his tent for a week like like loud crying like people are like this is a tortured person right and it's and obviously even just like biblically look at what he did to vashti right who vashti i can get real nerdy about this stuff i'll I'll hang in there but vashti had like a double pump of royal blood and xerxes authenticity or or um his um, credibility of being on the throne was like always kind of in question. And so Vashti was sort of the thing that was like, oh, this is kind of what makes him the acceptable king. When he got rid of Vashti, that is not going to make him friends. And so like the story of Esther is wrought with murder plots, right? And and you go, oh, this, it makes sense. Not only did he like get rid of the thing that sort of authenticated him as king, um, or that like, at least in the public's view or in his, right. his, you know, circle, he then proceeds to on terrible advice, take all of the eligible wives, um, from the next generation of, of men in his entire empire. 
right? Like the cream of the crop, the best of the best. He like took them for himself. Um, that's not going to make you popular either. No. So he was just anyway. So I'm saying all of this to say, like we read the book of Esther at face value and you go, okay, I get it. Don't go to the king or you die. But when you read it and you understand who Xerxes is as a person, you understand the actual danger that Esther has been in from the day she stepped in that palace. Right. This is not like a cushy situation. This is not a beauty pageant. This is not a Cinderella story in the Bible. This is a this is an intense political drama. Yeah. And you go, oh, that changes things. Oh, very much. You so. know what I mean? So anyway, I think like that's not necessarily like a cross reference example, but understanding the context really helps you understand the character of the people that we're talking about. Yeah, because it's so easy to go through the Bible and be like, oh, that's weird. And then, yeah. yeah, but old people, right? Uh, old <laughs> times, well, old right. times, right? right? Oh, that's just something I can't get. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. but but you can, and mm-hmm. because if you know who Xerxes was, what he's, and then making the connections, oh, that's Xerxes, the guy I learned about in middle school, <laughs> right, right? Yeah, right? yeah, or whatever, three hundred, yeah, that's that, three hundred, yeah, yeah it's I mean that dude, yeah, uh, and then you then you start to realize, oh my gosh, because. Yeah, bringing all the women to the palace. Oh, it must be nice to be yeah. uh, to be accustomed to in such a way. Right. But uh, people don't realize the power dynamics that were there. That exactly. You, you could not be. Uh, you couldn't look him wrong. You couldn't. Nope. You couldn't be one hair out of place, mm-hmm. or else gone, or mm-hmm. thrown into the streets. Yep. Is not a especially as as a as a woman back in those days. No. No. Mm-hmm. Uh. Uh-uh. No. It's something that probably looked beautiful on the outside and was oh. and was like hellish inside absolutely like, yeah i mean absolutely and they were used i mean there's no question there's about no question it about like it, they yeah. were yeah it but it's it's esther, esther is the book that doesn't uh, mention god right right yeah. yeah which we kind of went against <laughs> because you know that's that's sort of part of i i think from what i understand now there's probably a lot of people smarter than me that would listen to this and have lots to say but um you know, from what we could tell in our study and in our process, like part of the intentionality of that is to, it's it's almost like um, an illustration within even the way the book is crafted. It's showing you that God is, God is actually present right. throughout the whole thing. The irony is that everybody thinks that they're in control and that they're the power players, um, but God is actually the one who, who is in control. And that clear, yeah. clearly reveals itself throughout the story. But yeah, his, he is not mentioned by name in the book, but he's, he's the main character throughout the book. It, that, yeah. that was the main thing about Esther is that, well, it's, it's exactly how everyone else would view their own actions. Right. right? Yeah. How everyone else. Oh, uh, like for example, all the stories in here. Oh, well, because I did this, I, it, this happened, this mm-hmm. happened, this happened. I did that all by my, no. Right. Right. <laughs> right? No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yep. Uh, and it all comes back to God just moving, pushing you, mm-hmm. moving pieces different way. Because who who knows why Dan went to that, uh, went to your Christmas story. Oh, right? oh yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Of course, like, especially right. if you're looking at it through the filter of God in your life. And I, you know, I I remember, you know, I I was just going through photo albums last night, which I still have photo albums, by the way. Um, <laughs> but I was. I looked at this picture and it's me. Um, and I don't know how old I am. I, I'm probably a freshman, maybe a freshman in high school. And I'm standing there at this mic and I was like, where was I? And then I had this like, whoa, drop moment of I was at a student life, uh, a student life tour. And um, this is significant because 
I, I this was the only student life event I ever went to. Student life is like it's a company um, that tours around. It does camps mm. and tours. It brings a speaker and a worship leader. And back in like my day, um, you know, that specific one was like Vody Bachum and um, Chris Tomlin. And they were together on oh, that wow. tour. Right. And I was like there, you know, just there living life. And um, and I just and they had a drama team that toured with them and they would do these incredible like you know, for lack of a better word, skits, sketches, but they were, they were a little more elevated than that. They were so creative, so poignant. And I remember thinking, I'm going to do that. I want to do that. So I got up on this stage. I took a picture at this mic. I wasn't supposed to be up there and I got off. And then when I graduated, like that was like, that's what I'm going to do. And when I graduated high school, that's some, um, I think it was the summer, maybe after I graduated, I went and I worked for them. And then from there is where we met a friend that told us about sight and sound from there's where I met my husband from there is where, yeah, I got so much like ministry foundation. It was like just ministry intensive. It was so wild. Um, and so I did that for three years off and on and then, yeah, ended up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So I'm sitting here with you today because I went to that tour when I was, you know, in either eighth or ninth grade. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And it was, yeah, what a crazy moment. It's something that that you completely forgot about. Totally forgot about it. And I was like, oh my word. Yeah, that's right. And then obviously this, all of our stories, right? Like I could probably look further back and be reminded of other things. And, you know, even going from performing full time to um, show development was, was a little bit like that. I was, when I got invited to be part of the Jesus process at the theater, I was still in the cast. Um, sorry, I keep hitting this with my hand. Um, I talk with my hand, so I'm like animated. Um, but I I remember, so I would always go to a Wicked auditions. Um, there were times where like I would get decently, decently far-ish along. I mean, what I thought at the time was, you know, oh, like I always get a call back and like maybe this time, maybe this time, you know. Um, and so, uh, you know, Alphaba was like goals and, of course. Uh, you know. And so I um, I got called back for Alphaba and I got called back for Nessa a couple of times. And I was like, okay, one of these days, one of these days it's going to happen. It's talking about um, Broadway. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, which was so, so what they used to do. Uh, anyway, that's, it's kind of a long story, but um, yeah, yes. Um, but I, I'm, I'm bringing that up because, because it was just usually an opportunity that I didn't want, I didn't want to miss. Um, and something happened when I was offered that shift. I, there was a wicked audition the next day. I was going to drive to New York, go do the thing. And I was like, I'm not going to go. And something just shifted in me. Like, I was like, why don't I want to go? Like, I literally was confused in mm. this moment because I can be, once I, I can be pretty driven. Um, and it was just like, suddenly the goal, I felt it shift and I was praying about it. And I was like, Lord, like, why do I, why am I okay with this? And, you know, this is going to be such a cheesy phrase. So forgive me. But like, it was, I felt this was like words that I felt. And I don't know if you guys, or if you've ever experienced that, but like a phrase and it was like sort of like I'm fulfilling your true dream and I was like that I don't think that was from me because that was a little weird but 
I <laughs> could have been for me. I don't know. But I was sort of reminded of when I was a, like a kid or young kid and how much I loved the Bible. Mm. And from there, loving the Bible, loving music. And then from there, loving music, loving theater. And then from there, loving theater to just loving like storytelling and writing. And from there, love it, you know. So it was sort of like he gave me just this window and just the giftings and the interests that he's been depositing in me over the years. And it was just this really humbling sort of like, whoa, meta moment, you know? Yeah. And that's how it's been for, when was that? 15. So six, wait, whatever it was, seven years, seven years ago. Is that so, right? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. That's about it. Yeah. yeah. Which has been crazy. That's awesome. So where do I even begin? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But like, you know, and it doesn't mean it's the end. I'll be all of what I'll always be oh, doing. You know, it's always, you know, what's maybe there's something next, something new, something different. But, um, Anyway, just he, I think he was just sweet to reveal that to me. Like, you think this is what you want, and there are elements of this that are what you want, but like, let me define what what you should want. Right. Like, let like partner with me e- even in what you desire to do or be, and it was sort of cool. Yeah, no, it's it's incredible how God works in in people's lives. Uh, real quick tangent on my end. Yeah. Uh, my. My life has been very turbulent, mm. shall we say. Uh, we lost, me and my family lost our house in an 08 crash. Oh, my word. And then right after that, my mother died oh. of a heart attack at 40. Get wow. That. Yeah. And uh, so I was I was mad at God, to mm. put it lightly. Of course, yeah. <laughs> um, but through it all, like, you know, you're right, hindsight is 2020. You know, it's really funny. I never realized that quote meant 2020 vision. Mm-hmm. I always thought. Because uh, I, I keep hearing it more recently, but I, th- I always thought it was like 2020 as in the year. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's God's joke on us a little bit too. Right, maybe, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and But uh, what, what I realized is that, well, first off, my grandmother on a whim decided to move closer to to her daughter mm. and that's that's how mm. that was where we went after we lost our house because wow. she was just there. We would have been homeless otherwise. Yeah. Uh, and and after that, uh, my my mother donated her body to science. Okay. And so, uh, so we found out later on that had she kept living, that her organs were in such a state that she would have been almost a burden to us. Mm. She would have been in so much pain, oh had goodness. to have so much sur- like so much uh, so much of stuff happen wow. uh, to her that she, you know she might have been a burden to us. So, in. Mm. Uh, and nobody knew how sick she actually was right and, so yeah. sh- so she was taken away peacefully and mm-hmm. i i had to be the adult and be like well you know what i'm glad that my mother went away peacefully mm-hmm. not in pain mm-hmm. rather i wouldn't want her to live in constant pain yeah. and suffering goodness yeah so it's it's crazy how god works things but yeah still there, there's a point to it all sure right it's all a journey sure um i'm curious what is the journey to make a, a sight and sound production? Oh wow, um, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Here, I want to. I'll, I'll answer that. I want to say, like, when I was, um, I definitely didn't have the death of a death of a parent, and mm. I still haven't. Thank, thankfully, but I, um, I think when I was eleven, my parents divorced, and my dad mm. was a Baptist minister. Um, at the time, and it was just a small community. It was a wrecked community. So I, I just wanted to say, like. I can relate to being mad at, at God and going, I trusted you. Yeah, I, and like, <laughs> I trusted you. And like, because I've given you my life, I think 
we feel, I don't know. I, I mean, deserve better. I deserve. There's an entitlement that comes with, mm-hmm. I trusted you. I've given my life. I don't know if you were saved at that time or not, but like I, I was, I was saved really young. And, um, and yeah, I, I just thought, and I've, you know, felt, you know, a sense of betrayal, confusion, yeah. all the things that come with something like that. Um, but with, with my, you know, dad specifically, there were things I was upset with and I would project and attribute those to my heavenly father as mm-hmm. well and go, well, when are, you know, you're going to leave. And so at a very young age, I sort of like renounced him and I was like, okay, we're done. Cause that's me. Right. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm all in, I'm all out. Um, right. but I, as if you have any control. Over the relationship, exactly. Right? Like we're done here. Right. And he's like, okay. okay. <laughs> you know, anyway, sure. so I, I just want to, I want to bring that up because I think that, you know, you're an artist as well. Mm-hmm. And, and those things like that pain, obviously, like we, you know, you can look back and go, why didn't you intervene in certain ways? And why didn't you change it? And why is this the way it is? And I think, you know, he can handle our whys, mm-hmm. um, as long as we're surrendered to the what. And there's a level of definitely things that I have been able to pull from and resource, like that have been fruitful. Oh, yes. And, you know, we're never fruitful for our own sake. We're fruitful so we can like help nourish and heal others. Right. And so I go, man, like, I've seen his goodness and even if it's like me being a hope story for a parent who's got a wayward child where I'm like, hey, I was like the wayward of the waywards and and God moved and did something. And, and, you know, I don't know that your story will be the same, but just know it can happen. Like, no, there's keep praying. Like, I know that I'm the result of an intense praying community. Oh, yeah. Um, And like, so I, you know, it's easy to focus on the pain and focus on the disappointments and the betrayals in life. But you know, like, man, think about the people who, who prayed and who helped and like, oh, you're here and where you are. And even if you're not there yet, if you're asking questions about those things, it's probably because people are praying for you and engaging in your life. And, and yeah. And who knows, like, I want to be the person I am today Yeah. Uh, without any of those events. Absolutely. And the, and you're right, the amount of, of advice or I've been able to give because mm-hmm. of those things, because of, of whatever and the passions that I have now mm-hmm. because of those things, it, it's so it's so much more fruitful yep. than had it not granted, I'm sure there would have been a plan either way. Sure. Uh this is just how it is. Absolutely. Like God's best doesn't always come to fruition, like the, or God's intention. Oh, but yeah. I, but it's you a know journey. it's a journey. But the beauty of it is like there's actually a line in Esther that says God has a plan, there is an enemy, and we have a choice. Mm. And what those things mean, it's like you know, God has his best for us. He has plans for you, plans to prosper us, not to harm us. Um, but we've got to surrender. We've got to work with him. We've got to trust him. There is an enemy that is out to kill, steal, and destroy and lie. It's the father of lies. Mm-hmm. So we can either partner with him or we can partner with God. Like that's who we have a choice. That's what we have a choice about. And isn't the line is uh, he's preparing me for such a time as this? Yeah, yeah, for such a time as this. Yeah, and like that's all one of the things like you want people to walk away, especially from that story. But just in general, with you are who you are, where you are, how you are for a reason. Like God has us, everything about me is something that God wants to use and can use and can redeem. Like Mm -hmm. we may not have the ideal story, but we all have a redeemable story. Like there's redemption that is possible for every single story. And that's the beauty of God is like, are we entitled to, um, are we entitled to good things? Um, Are we entitled to like, you know, 
no pain or no, you know, no conflict or anything like that. No, we're, we're, no, absolutely we're not. not. But what we are entitled to are his promises because he's given those to mm-hmm. us. I mean, I don't say entitled, but like we have those promises that we can say those are, we can claim those yes. and go, he is with me. He is for me. How do I surrender to and live for him in whatever this situation is? We have the ability as believers to live beyond our circumstances. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so yeah, I so two sight and sound <laughs> to creating a story. Um, so it's about a three and a half to four year process really? to, to build one of the shows. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that I'm starting at like the decision point to research and prayer and yeah. So to completion. Yeah. How do you how do you decide when to recycle shows when to put on new shows? Well, I don't decide. Oh, well, I, that's right. That's, of yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't decide. I, I, I do not decide those things. Yes. But um, yeah, we have a leadership team at the theater that um, yeah, they just you know it's a combination. I I think of of prayer and you know looking at patterns and and things like that and yeah, just try to follow discernment. So how does one take, because Noah, for example, mm-hmm. uh, you didn't work on Noah, uh-uh. but yeah. Noah is a very short passage. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, sure. Very short. Whereas mm-hmm. Esther, you have a whole book. Je- right. Jesus, you have the four testaments plus right. more, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, but for, for Noah, you have such like almost, what is it, like a chapter? Just like one single chapter? Maybe. Or two, a few chapters? Yeah, I think there's a few in there. Um, yeah. But you you take that relatively small passage and expanded into this mm-hmm. two th- two three hour well, how long is it oh i think it's two two two, two and a half maybe hours a little, yeah a little over two maybe um two yeah. and a half hours of story yeah uh with a whole lot of extra characters yeah how, how does one uh i guess you can maybe talk a little bit about david sure. uh and how how one because david has an expansive life yeah that's how do lot. you how do you cut that down yeah well i i didn't write the script for david so clarity but like um my really good friend jeff Jeff Bender did. And, um, you know, I say that Jeff, like it's always a team, right? That's the thing at sight and sound is like, yes, we have titles. It's always a team. So Ryan Miller produced David, um, and, and Jeff Bender was the lead writer. And then, um, Chris Wirt was the director for the show, but they all, you know, sort of everything influenced each other. Um, Gabriel Wilson was the lead composer. So I was part of the music team for Mm. David. Um, so I did, I was, you know, semi close to the process at different phases, but, um, yeah, I, you you know what what really helps um, you, is you sort of when you start the process of evaluating the story that you know is coming down the pike, um, and you pray and you read and you study and you um, get counsel, um, and you sort of boil it down uh, to to either a word or an idea. That you go, what is the what is a filter that we can run this story through? Um, and you're you're not, you know, it's not something that you're reaching for necessarily. Like you, it should just be something that reveals apparent, itself. Yeah. That's apparent, exactly. And so it was really interesting. I don't want to take too much away from like Ryan. This is Ryan's story, but he, um, as they were praying through it, they really thought the word was going to be worship. They thought, oh, we're going to like run everything through the idea of worship, which makes sense. Which makes total sense, right? But as they really dug in, I mean, obviously, worship's a massive part of the story. But when they dug in, he realized that the core of the story of David or the story that we were going to tell of David was um, communion, Mm. communion with the Lord. And that's where the worship is birthed from. So it was like even going like a step deeper Deeper, from worship into like communion with the Lord. Like this was he was 
a man after God's own heart. That's what they say, right? Exactly. So, you know, one of the lyrics that comes up a lot in the show is the, I am after your heart. He repeats that a lot. And so it's just, what is, that's the thing to take away from David's story, like his ups, his downs. It was high highs, low lows um, with David um, and some sharp left turns with David uh, for sure. So he didn't always live perfectly, but he, but he ultimately, he repented and he surrendered and he, he was with with God. He didn't depart from him. He even questioned, where are you? <laughs> like, right, yeah. Where are you? You know, and um, it's, yeah, he had a real alive relationship with God, seemingly. So without giving too much spoilers, what what is uh, the story that, that, David, that David is about? Well, so being a story of communion, it, it, early on in the show, he um, really learns from his mom. And so that's one of the songs that I had the privilege of working on in, in the show. Mom song. It's because it's a mom song. Um, no, but you know, so sweet. And, uh, David's mom is referenced in the Psalms a couple of times, which oh, is, really is really cool. Yeah, he says like, um, I can't. Oh, I should have done my research. Um, but it's he says like, I the idea of I like learned how to praise for my mom or my mother's praises, oh. like like something like he remembers the faith and the praise of his mom. That's awesome. Yeah, it's oh man, it's so cool. Um, and so they they did such a good job of like wanting to honor that relationship because because um, obviously it was tight. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And biblically, even like there's just hints that it could have been tough with Jesse, with his dad. Mm. Um, So you just go, okay, so like, let's go with that. Like, let's take the biblical clues and realize those things and see how it plays out for the story. So with David and his mom, um, that's where the story starts is she's teaching him how to have communion with the Lord and then worship, you know. Um, And so you, you just see David try to play try to live that out throughout his life. So yeah, there's clearly like the big moments that you would expect to have. Um, they do go into, um, the Bathsheba story. And, um, I think in a very respectful, um, appropriate way in where, um, you know, I could go, uh, and this is me talking a little bit separate from sight and sound. Now we have a Bathsheba song in the, in the scene, um, the scene show as well. But, um, Bathsheba is, you know, God is very, in my opinion, this could be hot button. In my opinion, God is very clear about his perspective on that situation. And he tells it through the prophet Nathan. So there's a lamb that was taken, an innocent lamb mm-hmm. that is taken and that is slaughtered and that is fed to a visitor who's kind right. of coming through town. And like, who's the visitor? And the guest is like, or the guest is um, guest guest. Um, enemy lust like there's some you know someone coming that he's taking this and feeding it to yeah and um obviously he repents and it all turns out okay and Bathsheba you can track some redemption and and empowerment in her story as well uh throughout scripture but um yeah it's pretty wild and and I really hope this is true and I don't know for sure but in Psalm 30 or uh, Proverbs 31 which gets such a bad rap um, (laughs) like it gets such a bad rap because you just read it and it's like women just see it as either this thing to live up to or Proverbs 31 woman (laughs) but keep in mind that Proverbs 31 is written or quoted from a mother to a son right this is like this is like a man (laughs) like you're talking to a man about Hey, don't let your wife, your wife is not arm candy. She is not merely decorative and she's not a servant. She's a partner. 
And like, she's not a servant. She's not decorative. This is a partner you want. And so much of the language in Proverbs 31 is a callback to descriptions of Ruth Mm. um, and how like faithful and humble and hardworking Ruth is. Um, And if, if it's true, I don't know enough to say this confidently. So take it as a theory, but I really think it's a cool thought is um, if Lemuel is a um, nickname for Solomon, then that would make these the words of Bathsheba, mm. which from the mother, like I think it's the mother of King Lemuel. Like if that's a nickname for Solomon or like an alternate name for Solomon, then that would mean Bathsheba kind of, sort of, at least influenced, if not like wrote Psalm right. or Proverbs 31. Was, that's cool. And that's fun. That's, so that's, yeah, that's right. me like kind of not breaking with sight and sound for a second, but saying I'm not representing sight and sound with that take. I just go, oh, like in personal study. Those are just yeah. things that have been really cool to see. It, it's it's really cool to theorize stuff about the Bible. It is. Uh, yeah, it's fun. As uh, long as it's like, you know, you've within, got, within, within reason. Within reason, <laughs> yeah. right. Uh, especially with like the first, like Moses writing the first five books of the Bible, right. how he got that information. Right. Right. Uh-huh. And and stuff stuff along those mm-hmm. lines, and how exactly did that happen? What mm-hmm. you know, all that jazz. He did spend a lot of time in the tent. Oh, he spent so much time in the tent, and mm-hmm. it, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, right, and, and it also goes back to, like to Paul as well. Right. How did he get all the information that he got? Right. And talk about. I hope Slayton Sound does something with Paul soon rather than later <laughs> uh because his story is immense yeah the the road to damascus he yep. was, people don't understand but he was the if you were a christian paul was you did not want to come across paul no no you would die right uh straight up he, he maybe the xerxes of christians right yeah right? yeah i mean he was so zealous and he yeah. thought i think that's the thing like Gosh, like what a what a cautionary tale! Because Paul thought he was serving God, even in the even in those murders and in in that and that oppression. And he's like, "No, I am doing this in the name of God." And God literally stops him and says, "Yeah, keep my name out of that. (laughs) That's not me. You're actually persecuting me. You're not helping me." And so I go, "Oh, okay. Like, let us, Lord, help us have eyes to see. Like, how are we?" We need to make sure that like we're not judging or oppressing in your name, that we're helping you and that we're aligning with you and, and you know, having your heart for it. Like any time you dive into a like an issue biblically and, or, you know, more like a moral issue and you study the Bible about it and you dive in, um, you know, you can absolutely come out of that with more conviction in an existing stance but if you don't come out with more compassion as well mm. then you've probably missed something you missed a, probably missed the point or missed the <laughs> point right so it's yeah you can have conviction about a stance about something but you also have to have compassion um primarily compassion yeah. love like with it i mean i i think um but anyway, that's, because, well, that's Paul, Paul's such a cautionary of, tale that way. Right. Yeah, it's the two parts of being a Christian. You have your conviction yep. and you have, have your compassion. Exactly. And uh without either, you're you're missing a crucial part of mm-hmm. the of the of the story. Yeah, right, right. So I'm curious, how did you start seeing the scene collective? Yeah. So I um I was working at Sight and Sound. I think I was in the no, was I? Hold on, sorry. Timeline. Right. <laughs> I think I had worked. I was in the middle of my kind of break um, 
from being outside and sound, but I, um, I have a friend, uh, Josh Harnish, who he's just awesome. He's a great songwriter in his own right, high creative, um, just ministry minded, loves the Lord, like just such a solid guy. And his wife is one of my absolute best friends, Jacqueline Harnish. Um, and she's also like my favorite human to sing with. She's incredible. And um, they were doing these Christmas house concerts. And so they invited me to come do some of them with them. And he said, hey, would you like to write an original Christmas song? Because at that point, I'd done a little bit of writing. And um, I was like, sure. So I thought about my favorite moment in the Bible. Oh, I hesitate to say my favorite, but it's definitely up there, (laughs) is when Mary and Elizabeth see each other for the first time after they've both experienced this miraculous pregnancy. Yes. And God, like just thinking of the sweetness and the intentionality of God in this, like he, he appears to... You know, he appears to Mary, you're going to have the savior of the world. The Messiah is coming. It's going to be through you. Yes, you're a virgin. This is how it's going to, which, okay, I'm going to nerd out one more second. When Gabriel, when she says, how can this be? And Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. Like immediately, probably her mind would have gone to Genesis 1, where the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Oh, you're going to make something out of nothing. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're going to do a new thing. Like she would have like, that is an answer. It seems like a weird like non-answer, but it is an answer. And she like something she would have understood to an extent. Um, So she was like, okay. So even her response, which is like, let, let it be done to me. It's almost like, let there be light. Like there's a little, there's an intentionally even yeah. phrasing. And, and she yeah. like allowed it. Yes, exactly. Right? Exactly. So she experiences this massive thing. Um, and then, you know, Gabriel kind of throws in at the end. Oh, by the way, your cousin Elizabeth, who everybody said was barren is pregnant too. So <laughs> which are like, and P- PS, um, and what he's saying is PS, you have somewhere to go where you're definitely going to be believed, where you're going to see his faithfulness play oh, yeah. out. You're going to be supported. Um, and so Mary, Mary needed, like, he put the two, the only two women in the world who could have possibly understood what the other one was going through, he kept them close and he put them as together cousins. as yeah. cousins. And so when, and Mary was probably there for the birth of John. And so God's saying, hey, watch my faithfulness play out. I've got you. I'm with you. That's this incredible. is like, I'm going to bring my word to fruition. If I said it, it happens. And then obviously, Mary, what a support for Elizabeth as well, like, Elizabeth wasn't having trouble being believed necessarily, but because she was a walking obvious right. miracle. But, you know, man, what a cool opportunity because we need each other. And God yeah. knows that about us. Like he He won't call us to something without equipping us and giving us some some support, even if it feels small, <laughs> small to us. But like, oh, but, but- so these women, they got together, they praised and they worshiped and Mary prophesied. So all that to say, you can hear that it's one of my favorite moments in the of Bible, course. just because it shows like the massiveness of God and then the intimacy of God at the same time. How much he cares. How right? much he cares. And um, so I wrote a song, a duet between Mary and Elizabeth for like these Christmas concerts and got to sing it with Jacqueline. And I was like, that was fun. And I wasn't, <laughs> I don't think I was writing it sight and sound yet, actually. Um, but I just so on my own, very privately. I just started crafting songs uh, from the perspective of women in the Bible at kind of a pivotal point in their story um, and or a defining point in their story. And uh, I, I eventually had to run it through the, a filter just because I was like, oh, who do I go to next? Like, what do right. I do? And um, so I stuck with the women in the bloodline of Jesus. I told my mother-in-law that I was doing this. Um, and she was like, oh, this isn't, sounds like a cool Christmas thing. Would you like to come down to my church in Texas and perform this as like a Christmas event? 
And I was like, sure, I guess. I guess. And so <laughs> put it together. I roped some friends in and they were awesome and willing. And so we all went to Texas and did a Christmas show with this music. And um, that was how it was born. That was like, that was 2018. So there was a while between like the writing and the actu- actually putting it out in front of people. But it's been special. So we have the the fir- the flagship song. Yeah, the flagship song. So this is, it, it's sort of a worship song that's over the whole project. It's called I Am Seen. Um, and it's really just, just a mantra of truth. Like it, it's inspired loosely um, by Hagar in the desert. And uh, when she says, you are the God who sees me, he met her in her wilderness um, in, in a time when she was feeling used, literally, literally, literally used, literally, literally abused. Um, you know, she's running for her life. So how bad would it have been, you know, there, if you think about it. Um, and God doesn't totally remove her from that situation. He actually sends her back into that really hard situation but this time she's going back and she knows he's with her and they're held accountable as well um which that's another i won't go on it but um anyway i am seeing it's sort of a hey like what was true for hagar is true for you he can meet you in your wilderness know this so that you can be empowered to go and know that you're not ever going alone he's with you and he sees and he's got you with that said this is i am seen from the scene collective I have hope, I have relief, I have protection.
Scene, and I listen listening back to these. It, uh, I I came to the first trust performance that you guys did, yeah. And it's reflecting. I I don't know why this is on my Spotify or, uh, already. <laughs> um, so you have Leia, 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 Leia. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've been. <laughs> Le- I mean, maybe so, maybe Leia, no, Leia side, could be more appropriate. A, a side note: uh, at, at my uh, at my job, uh, I have a child. Okay. With with that name and and it, and they pronounce it Leia. Oh, okay. Because they're Star Wars fans. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I don't I don't know enough. It might be the correct pronunciation. Maybe. Actually, I don't know. Yeah. I, hold on. The, if the most confusing part of the Bible for me is all the names. Is the name? <laughs> it's a lot of names. It's a ton mm-hmm. of names. Yep. For, and uh, names that should probably have never been uh, pronounced in the English language I ever. I think one of my favorites. This is like. A guy in First and Second Samuel, I think it's Saul, one of Saul's son, Mephibosheth. Me, 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 I think it's, I think Mephibosheth. 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 Yeah. It's, it's I, say, I can't even say, I can't say it twice. It's like Simlish. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, but you, you have uh, Leah, and this is yep. Jacob's wife. One of, oh. Yeah, this is one of, one of Jacob's wife. So yeah. he, you know, Jacob, he. Oh, man, the the poetic justice in this, or an irony, and you know it's terrible. But you know Jacob obviously tricks his dad into giving mm-hmm. him the blessing. He he pretends to be his older brother yep. in order to get this blessing. Well, then Jacob is tricked by Laban. Um, by you know Laban makes Jacob think that he's marrying the daughter that Jacob loves, Rachel, Rachel. but he's actually disguised Leah as Rachel. Um, so it's a flip. You know, there's a flip in the story of siblings impersonating each other in order to get a blessing um now leah i want to make it very clear i don't think leah had any agency in this situation right like this is her dad saying you go go do this um so she was unwanted and unloved to the point that god intervened um and said he starts blessing her with with these sons and you know, children back then, pregnancy meant something different meant something, than, yeah. than than it does now. It meant stability. It meant favor. It meant inherit wealth, it, wealth yeah. inheritance, security. So God's saying, like God's taking care of her, even you know, because maybe Jacob isn't. Um, and yeah, God saw he was unloved, or she was unloved, so he opened her womb, and so she has like baby number one, and she says, okay, maybe now my husband will love me. She has baby number two. She says, okay, well, maybe now he'll um, want to spend time with me. She says, baby number three, she says, okay, well, maybe now he'll look at me sometimes. Right. <laughs> baby number four, maybe he won't leave, and then like, or, or baby number four, I think, is this one is Judah, and she says, this time I'm going to praise the Lord. So mm-hmm. in this moment, she sort of like rejects the need for the faithless love of Jacob and she accepts the faithful love of God. And this is late. And who, uh, performs Oh this yeah. One? This is ja- Jacqueline Harnish is singing this one and she's, yeah, she's awesome. She's such a good storyteller. And this, but you wrote, you wrote all of this. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. okay. This yep. is Leah, L- Leah, uh-huh. however it's pronounced. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the sync collective. Yeah. 
from the scene collective these are amazing oh thank you uh up next we have one of my favorite ones oh yeah cool tamar yeah right yeah she's fun tell me about that one. Oh man all right so tamar um her story is i, I feel like maybe the m- most misunderstood one out of all of these but um she is without going into too much detail um she really was blamed for um, the death of, so she, so, okay, all right, how can I do this? All right, so Judah gives Tamar to one of his his oldest son as a wife. 
um, Judah or this this son. I can't remember his name. I think his name is literally Er, which is like, <laughs> uh, which you know, like Er. I don't know about that guy, uh, but he's he's literally struck dead because of his wickedness. It doesn't go into specifics, but like the, really? the oh yeah, dude, this story is wild. Um, so he is he's that bad of a guy, but he's next in the bloodline of Jesus. Of so maybe there's a standard here, but we don't know what he did, but he's struck down. So the custom or the law was now the the younger son or the son that's next in line Thanks. would take the wife, um, not necessarily as a wife, but um, he would produce an heir with her on behalf of the dead brother. Yeah. So instead, just not to get too graphic, but what he does is he takes her and, and he just uses her. And oh. has no intention of actually producing an heir with her. So she goes into a situation where she is sexually abused. Um, and we don't know how long this was, but eventually God strikes him down as well because of because of this. Um, Judah's freaked out about her. He's blaming the deaths of his sons on her. Um, and so he <laughs> yeah, <right>. and, so, <laughs> and so yeah so she's she's treated like a curse like a problem that needs to go away and this is a pattern that judah has like judah tried to get rid of his brother the same way like you're a problem i want to get like joseph this is joseph's brother judah oh yeah that's right so judah threw joseph in a pit with his brothers and like just hoping that he would go away he's a problem so he does the same thing with tamar this story with tamar actually like hits right in the middle of the joseph story and it seems like a weird like tangent but when you see judah before the story and you see judah after the story he's a totally different guy who's willing to put himself in the place of his brother where before he just tried to get rid of his brother and get him out of his way so something happens to judah that changes him from this to this, and this is the story that does it. So he gets Tamar, like, sends Tamar home. He says, I'm going to give you to my youngest son, but we have to wait till he's older. He has no intention of doing that. So the years come, the years go by. She, not only is she, like, robbed of a future and robbed of security, um, but, like, his oldest son still doesn't have an heir, like this, who, who who's dead. Um, so nobody in this in his family is doing what is actually righteous and right before God. Um, so this is a story that's super easy to sexualize, but it's 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 not. Sex is a part of the story. The story is not about sex. Right. So Tamar realizes Judah has no intention of helping me. So she goes, she dresses like a prostitute. She stands on the side of the road and she um, tricks Judah, who Judah's wife has just passed away. She tricks Judah into thinking that um, she's a prostitute. So she says, oh, and like, give me your driver's license as collateral. You can pay me later. So she takes the equivalent of his driver's license. And, you know, they have an encounter. He leaves and he goes back to get his license and she's not there anymore. So he's like, oh, no, but it's too embarrassing. You can't say like, oh, she ran off with my stuff. Um, So then he gets word Tamar's pregnant. So he he's ready to go burn her. He literally like, well, she she's technically under his charge. So she's been unfaithful somewhere. She went and did something. So he he's going to literally burn her as a punishment for it. But what did you just do? Right. Anyway, exactly. whatever. Yeah. So he's going to get her. And she says, the father of my child is this. And she hands him his seal. And he's like, and he says, he's like crumpled before. He says, you're more righteous than me. Because if it wasn't going to be the youngest son, then it would have fallen to him yeah, to produce. Anyway. An, yeah. yeah. So he doesn't lie with her again. Like she's not a wife, but now she's she is able to have her place in the family. Um, and God, it, it's so like it's I mean, there's so much more to say. Of course. But, um, you know, and I know it's like a, it seems like one of those weird ones. But the amount of empowerment and the amount of like the she's just awesome. 
She's awesome. She's bold. And like, why? And it's so selfless. Why would you want to provide for this guy that was, that's that's been mistreating you forever? I mean, like, and granted, obviously living like you don't exist isn't great either. But so she was willing to step up and step in and do what was right, not just for herself, but also for this family. God honored her. And now she's one of the mothers of Jesus. So like, it's crazy. And uh, this is done in a, in a blues sort of way. Yeah, right? yeah. It's like a little, um, yeah, there's there's a little bit of um, fun edge edge to her, which we thought, okay, like something that feels like um, it was just fun, fun to bring a little bit of ex- like, um, I don't know about excitement, but like some anticipation and some edge to her song. So. And this is, so this is Tamar. This is Tamar uh, and uh, Mariah Keener sings Mariah Tamar. Keener. Yeah. And so she, she sounds awesome. She brings such a cool vibe to the song. And, right. Yeah. yeah. Her voice is amazing. Yeah. She's awesome. And this is from the Scene Collective. Yep. All I know is I don't deserve the blame. All they do is review and serve the shame. And I have eaten it for too long. He's afraid he's in pain, he has no He's a man and he can control my cost How I wanted to be wrong But now I gotta be strong He thought patience would surrender But now I've had enough They tried to beat me tender And said they beat me tough Deception on the roadside Hide away, do not say what's on my mind Never doubt, never shout, choose to be blind They chose to break the rules first This is crazy, but it can't get worse He thought patience was Deception on the roadside Is there something you can bless? Is there beauty in this mess? I'm trading black veil for red After years of pretending I'm dead Your will is my desire You'll save me from the fire I know you care so
That was Tamar by the Scene Collective. It's oh, it's one of my favorite ones. How do you decide the style, the genre for each of these characters? Yeah, so um, you know, a lot of it is um, just feeling like the vibe of their story and going like again with that one. You know, it's she she's a like she's a rock star and like yeah. I wanted to treat her like a rock star a little bit. So that that was part of it. And like even like with Leah, like it was such a you know, there's a lot of pain she's working through, but it's worship. Like she's having a genuine praise and worship moment, like with the Lord, like full, like I'm yours, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I think you just get to the heart of what the moment is that they're having and then like kind of capture a musical essence to that. But, you know, it doesn't stop with me. So what the, one of the things that I love the most about doing scene um, is, you know, I generate the content, I flush out the content, and then um, I love getting to invite people and to influence the content. Yeah. And um, so probably the the biggest collaborator that I've had so far is Aiden Davis. Um, so she is, um, she also, co she was um, lead composer as well with me on Queen Esther. Um, yeah, she was also part of the David Music team. Um, so she's, yeah, and she collaborated heavily um, on scene and getting seen to both the stage and to the um, speakers. Uh, but she's, yeah, she's incredible. So she's our keys player, but also um, a ranger, and she's you know been band leader um, occasionally as well. Uh, she was also one of the co-producers on the album, and then uh, yeah, Melissa, uh, Melissa Brune is the cellist, and she's she's next killing it. next level. So we were working, uh, we were working with um, our engineer uh, was Craig Alvin, and he he's done just a crazy amount of stuff. Probably the most. Um, well, the most, yeah, the one with most notoriety uh, is Casey Musgraves' um, Golden Hour. He did, her, he engineered that album, okay. and so he. Uh, but he's also done lots of lots of Christian praise and worship over the over the years. Um, but anyway, he he was listening. I just want. I I feel like you need to know that about Craig because this moment will make so much sense. But she, like, it just gives weight to the moment. I should say. So she's in there and she's like, dun, 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 like she's just going crazy in the studio with this cello, and he stood up. He was like. You play that cello. <laughs> you play it like, like just the the like the amp talk. It was so he was just he was so impressed with her, so blown away by her. Um, and then our other um, producer for the album uh, was Gabriel Wilson. So he's also um, he's also the head composer of the lead music team writer for David. Uh, so there's a lot of crossover. You know, we all get to know each other and work together. But um, he was so great jumping on board. So he did Tides for Bethel. He did um, Mercury and Lightning for John Mark McMillan. And, I mean, so many other things that I don't oh, like. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So he's wow. he's an awesome, awesome dude. Um, and so he he came to one of our shows that the show you saw at the Trust. And he was like, I want to I want to produce this. I want to help this, you know. Um, and he was such a good like helpful ear during like learning music business because I'm like, uh, I don't know nothing, right. I know nothing I about do? it. And like, yeah. And I'm still like, what do I do? But, um, he's, he's been a great friend and resource and, and collaborator. So a lot of the styles that you're hearing, he was very helpful in, um, in influencing and directing. And, um, yeah, he was just, he's such an out of the box thinker, but somehow you're like, but somehow it's right. Right. <laughs> he's so cool. So yeah, there's so many things and people that you're actually hearing in these like, yes, like, um, it's my deposit and I generate it and, you know, flesh out like the vision, but bringing people in that have different abilities and voices, um, that can influence the DNA of it and like get it to where it actually needs to be is like one of the coolest parts.
of the process. So how many of, is this strictly in the line of Jesus? So the first, yeah. So the, the music that's currently out and available is um, seen in the line and it's all in the bloodline of Jesus. And then I've just written, um, and we did it at the trust uh, Palm Sunday uh, this year, um, but seen face to face. And that's the women who um, came face to face with Jesus during mm. his ministry. Yeah. So there's like woman at the well and um, Anna when she sees him as a baby. And we've got the adulterous woman, Mary Magdalene, Mary Bethany. Yeah. So we've got, yeah, a lot of new new ladies to hear from. But yeah, we're playing those live right now. We don't have those available. But gotcha. yeah, hopefully one day. So what is it like to or what what is your favorite song? Oh, that you have? I, can, I literally can't. Literally I can't, can't answer that because I think. You know, uh, they're uh, like, it's like children. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, they're, like they're all my favorite for a different reason, you know. Um, I think, so I will, I'll say some of my favorites. Well, I can't, like I literally listened, um, which thankfully, you know, there's none that I listen to and I go, oh, like I just kind of wish we'd done this. Like there's something, something that I truly love about all of them. That's good. Yeah, I'm very th- very thankful but it's not because it's me it's because of all these incredible it's because of the community that's exactly right the community that has been so generous and gracious and has come along and influenced it so how about what is one of your favorite stories of of the women that you've written about right oh man well the one um obviously the mary and elizabeth story is just that's Mm -hmm. that has been one of my favorites for a long time i think um i think tamar has unpacked so much for me the one that we just heard oh, yeah. yeah like i think not really understood like that seeming like a weird story but when you understand when you just learn more about it you understand how cool it actually is and it she was um and bathsheba a little bit too um bathsheba is you know you just look at the the tragedy around her story but ultimately how this was somebody that left left a good legacy and i think that we do these women a disservice when we're the ones who are determined to you know sexualize them or or you know demonize them judge them we're judging them and the bible actually isn't right yeah it's not like the bible says oh she was no this kind of a person no and like with Bathsheba specifically you know she gets a bad rap because she was bathing on a rooftop but she was actually like it was a ritual bathing to to cleanse from her monthly time which is in there to show that she wasn't pregnant right that's why it's in the narrative it's not to say she was being like promiscuous hey 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 up there on the roof and and no you know whose house is higher than the roof it's gonna it's gonna be the the king right it's not yeah and he's supposed to be gone anyway so there's a level of she's up there actually doing something really beautiful and holy (laughs) and she's following the law it's showing that she's righteous and it's showing that she's she's not pregnant right um that's why it's in there so we've Again, you know, we've made just with lack of context, we've made things. We've imposed things. We've on imposed yeah. things. Yeah, exactly. We've projected things onto them that the Bible doesn't actually intend for you to do. That's but yeah. incredible. Yeah. So that I think those maybe, yeah, Tamar and Bathsheba, just because I feel like they really unfolded, I think, for me in a way that I didn't expect. So what's next, do you think, for the Scene Collective? <laughs> oh, great question. So, you know, it, Scene Collective is something that 
Um, I love getting to do when I can and I, I love, love doing it. So, you know, right now we do live performances. We are available to book, um, you know, depending on availability and alignment and different things, but, um, you know, so yeah, we're, right now we take it, um, we, I've got a pretty good bench strength, so it's not guaranteed that, you know, you'll actually hear the voices that you hear on these recordings. Um, but we've got, we've got a good team that's actually growing and, um, I'm really thankful. So yeah, we travel and we do it. Um, I'm hoping we'll get some Bible study packages together, might even become a musical, uh, in, oh, yeah. in the future. Yeah. Yeah. There's so, you know, hopefully, um, you know, where it is right now and this could all change, but uh, it can stay in concert form for different things. Sometimes that's what's going to fit best. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, like, again, Bible study packaging, like with primarily video content um, and teaching videos, things like that. And then also, yeah, maybe like a full length act one, act two. Um, yeah. Type musical. Type That'd of song cool. cycle thing. Yeah. We'll yeah. See. Like a song cycle thing. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, where can people find you? Reach out. Yeah, I mean, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, Scene Collective. Um, and then, um, yeah, our website is is a great start to scene-collective.com. And there's all kinds of stuff available to look at and purchase. And yeah. So we're kind of wrapping up our time here. So I have a few general questions I like to ask everybody. Great. What are some of the biggest mistakes maybe that you have made mm. or that you've seen other people make? And how can we uh, give advice to curb to make it easier for the, for the people coming after us. Yeah, I think um I think the mistake that I can definitely I have made and can continue to make is to be too singularly focused. Mm. Um I think I you know, I was kind of alluding to this earlier, but I had pegged myself as a performer. I was mm. like you're a performer and God sort of re- redefined that for me and said no, like you're not just a performer, you're a storyteller. And there might be other ways that I want you to use, utilize that. Um, so career wise, I would say don't don't peg yourself in to a type and don't worship an institution <laughs> in place of God. So whether that's, you know, as wonderful as all of these places are, Sight and Sound, LBC, um, your church, you know, the, that ministry that you maybe you're idolizing that institution, the Broadway or whatever it is and go, wait, make sure that you're worshiping, worshiping the right thing, worshiping God, and then letting him lead you or create a new space um, for you to utilize giftings. So that leads into my next question. What is worship? What is worship? (laughs) Oh man. I think, Ooh. Um, okay. Well, (sighs) I'm going to tell another woman of the Bible story. Do it. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm actually studying this one right now because I'm going to teach on it in a few weeks. But um, Mary of Bethany. So she she goes to Jesus and she has this alabaster jar full of this really expensive perfume, snard, right? And so she breaks the jar and the scent just, whoosh, just whoosh. wafts yeah. through the room. And she anoints Jesus with it, both as king and for burial. Like that's the significance of what this is. So what's so cool is that when Jesus leaves this place, he's about to walk into Jerusalem and you would have been able to smell him coming. You would have been like, yeah. So like, think it like, you know, what a vivid thing. But she took something precious and she said, it's not for me, it's for you. And when she broke it, when she was willing to break that precious thing or put it at his feet, everybody knew he was king. 
And I'm like, that's what I want my work to be. That's what I want my life to be is to break the thing that's precious to me or be willing to break the thing that's precious to me. Um, and yeah, leave it at his feet so that people can know that it, he's king. There you go. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. What is one thing that you wish you had known when you first started? Or one thing that you know now that you wish you had known? I wish I had known that not everybody knows as much as I think they do. Mm. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> like, I wish right. I had known that I don't have to wait to make decisions until somebody can give me the the right, the exact answer. Like, and I, I'm, I'm a big believer in wise counsel and in community. So I'm not saying don't talk to people more experienced, but don't necessarily wait to do what you feel called to do. Um, until you feel like you have all the answers. And if anything, honestly, the scene journey has probably taught me that more than anything. Um, I, I've never felt more insecure and, and um, you know, like an underdog, I guess, like going into a business. Like, yes, I know music. Yes, I do music. Yes, but I, I do it in this way and I do it in this place and in this context. Right. I don't go and do like my own thing here if it's not like theater or writing a script for a commercial or something. I don't go and do ministry on my own. I don't go and do arts on my own. So it was just, I think, um, I'm very thankful for generous, compassionate people who are like, honestly, like, I don't know. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and, <laughs> and when they say, I don't know, they're like, yeah, you kind of just have to figure it out. And I'm like, which I don't always, there's part of me that likes that. And then there's part of me that, that hates, that, that hates it. Yeah. Um, but don't let that stop you from doing what you feel like you're called to do. At least take a step. Yeah. It, the theme of this podcast has really been just do it. Uh, right. Yeah, sure. Uh, Cause that, that was, that was a large part of me or stopping me from doing this podcast mm. was, uh, well, I have to do this. I'd have to do that. Yeah. I don't know how to do this. I, forget marketing. Right. Uh, finding a spot to do this, uh, you know, all the equipment that would be necessary. Yeah. And I was just making it too big. Mm. And all I had to do was just ask a simple question. Right. And then get started. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard to get up and do something. Yeah. Especially when there's, you don't have foresight. Yeah. You have ideas and plans, but there's no concrete evidence that this is going to work out. Right. But that shouldn't be the point. Right. That's not the point. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yep. Yep. And and being willing to like redefine your definition of success. Right. Yeah. Like like hold the idea of success open, like with an open hand and let God define that. And don't worry about defining it yourself. Right. Because the bar of, will always move. The it bar will always move. Mm -hmm. it's, it's and oftentimes it's not even money. Right. It's just doing it yourself, being able to, okay, mm -hmm. now I can actually talk to people. Right. 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 Uh, before this, I couldn't talk to people. I'm, I'm an introvert. Okay. A, a hardcore introvert. Wow. But now I can do this. I would not know that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody would know that. Uh, I, I mentioned this before the show, but I, ha I have sort of a stutter mm -hmm. and my mind works way faster than my mouth could ever hope to. Yeah. But people don't realize that until I tell them. Yeah. And it's, it's the way that God is using uh, this to further me. And to, you know, bring people back to their old memories. Mm -hmm. And it's it's incredible what can happen if you just do it. Yeah. And throw it on the wall, see what sticks. Yeah. Absolutely. Quite, quite literally. Because people don't realize that this is exactly what everyone else is 
oftentimes knowing there's no right. set way right. to start a business. There's no set way to do music. Right. There is no set. There's there's a, a common theme. Sure. But that changes for every single person. Mm-hmm. So what is one piece of advice that you think you could give to any any actors, musicians, yeah. uh, songwriters? Yeah. That you uniquely have something to offer. Um, I think kind of back to what we were saying about even just the Esther show, like you are who you are, where you are, what you are for such time as this, like you're, you're needed. Um, and what you have to say, like your voice, however that manifests itself, um, creatively, um, is, is needed. And so I think knowing who you are, knowing what you bring to the table, like being willing to assess yourself objectively, um, and go, okay, what am I uniquely good at? What do I, what's the difference between what I want to be good at? Mm. Um, why do I want to be good at that? Why do I want to be good at that? Um, and then, but what do I, what are my actual giftings and how does that influence my, my art, my creativity? Um, so I think, yeah, objective self-awareness, self-honesty is huge. Mm. And then you can figure out what it is you uniquely have to say and bring. Oh, I love that said. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been fun. You can find Kristen at uh, all of her Spotify links, The Scene Collective, mm-hmm. thescene-collective.com. Mm-hmm. Check out all of her work and go see David. Yeah, go see David. Go see David. Go see David at Sight and Sound. It's awesome, you guys. It is, I never get sick of it. I. It's so cool. <laughs> I tell you what, I, I saw Queen Esther and I was like, <gasps> yeah, <laughs> it, was, awesome. it was great. Uh, if you've never been to Sight and Sound, by the way, it's this amazing 100, uh, what is it, three-side stage? I'll, I'll... Yeah, it's a 300-foot wraparound stage, yeah. 2,000 seats. It's it's massive. It's, it's massive. massive experience. You, yeah. can, you can get a seat uh, up front, and you can look ahead, and then you can look all the way to your left, and there's still stage. And you can look all the way to your right, and there's still stage. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's there's always something to take in somewhere. So Yeah. Be sure to go check out David. They're running it until December, right? Yep. December. Mm-hmm. So you got yep, plenty of time. December. Be sure to check that out. Uh, if you want, if you like this episode and want to support my work, please be sure to uh, check out all of where we're at. We can find us anywhere. Mm-hmm. Just search up The Story, Corey Rosen. That's C-O-R-Y-R-O-S-E-N. You can find us on all streaming platforms and even YouTube where we will start posting shorter bite-sized clips because an hour and a half is sometimes a lot lot to sit through (laughs) in one sitting. So be sure to check out there. Also, check out us tomorrow where we're going to have one of my uh, one of my good friends Silas Angelino. Oh, uh, oh he's, yeah, 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 yeah. He's a he's a worship leader. He's also got some really cool music coming out. I'm super excited to catch up with him and talk about all the stuff that he's been been going through. Uh, so, and if you really want to support us, please be sure to like, subscribe, share, check out our shop where we have stickers and shirts and hoodies with the logo on the front and the first fifty guests on the back. With all that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. And we'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye.